You're a failure. And that's okay. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Alicia. And, and we're, we're failures, failures too. too. We take a walk back through people's failures and relive the mistakes they made so we all can have more clarity on how to be a better human. Hello and welcome everyone to another gripping and heartwarming episode of The 2020 Perspective. I'm one of your hosts today, Dan Newman, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Alicia Engel, and I am another co-host of the 2020 Perspective, a podcast about failure. So we are really excited that you've joined us for a new thing that we're trying here. We're doing... It's fairly new. Um, We are doing live podcast episodes where we riff and we talk about failure topics and we bring guests on to discuss them. So today's special guest is a very special guest of the podcast, <laughs> longtime listener and a longtime father figure to one of the uh, co-hosts here. And um, uh, we'll, we'll certainly introduce him first uh, in a bit. But first, Alicia, we got to warm up with our, our, our rosebud thorn. Uh, kind of like get into the the failure zone. Um, and for those of you who haven't haven't done a rosebud thorn, real simple: rose, something good; bud, something you're looking forward to; thorn, something not so good. Because we're all about failure. Um, right. Do you have a rosebud or a thorn, Alicia? Oh yeah, I've got all. I've got all three. Um, okay. I'll start with my rose because that's okay. the nicest one. So I have an opportunity to submit a proposal for a cognitive energizer, which is my thing. It's a term that I trademarked this past year. And so I'm going to be submitting a uh, proposal to do some cognitive energizers for a very well-known association for their upcoming conference. (sighs) That is definitely a bud. That's a big honking bud. That's a honking butt. I'm feeling really, really good about it. You know, and even if they say, we hate it, we don't want you to do it. These suck. I'm really glad that um, that I am putting myself out there. It's getting my wheels turning and that I'm just taking the opportunity to do it. So that's my rose. What about you? Do you have a rose? I have a rose and a bud and a thorn and they're all related. Okay. Okay. So they're all from the same activity. So the thorn is that I have a scratchy voice. Um, I overused it yesterday when my rose, I created a video for, uh, my business about this campaign that I'm going to be running. And I am so excited and happy how it turned out. So even though I have a scratchy voice, I am still very pleased with the output. The bud is I can't wait for everyone else to see it. It is so extra. I've got a parrot. I've got pirate gear i've got the, <laughs> i've got the vocal inflections that cause a scratchy voice the following day um and if we have some time at the end i might be able to even share uh, a teaser of that video i can't wait for that i mean i did see your <clears throat> i won't give anything away but your outfit yesterday yeah, my ensemble. so your ensemble so i'm pretty <laughs> excited to see the shenanigans that came out of that yeah. All right. What about your uh, your rose and your thorn? Um, well, I already said my rose. So... I thought that was your bud. 
No, it's it's a rose because it's it's happening now. It's happening okay, now. Okay. Okay. So my bud is that um I'm really excited about season three of the podcast and all of the episodes that we either have planned or have already recorded. And I'm ready for those to get out there for listeners to hear because they're pretty great. I feel like, I feel like the, the stories are just getting juicier and juicier. I know. I know. I mean, spoiler alert, we recorded an episode last night with someone in the armed services and it was awesome. That was really good. I mean, that was fantastic. So yeah. And then my thorn, which is the same as last time is time is flying by. Is time going by faster than it, than it used to? Yeah. Well, just this past weekend, I thought I had an extra hour lying around, but it just disappeared. (laughs) Well, aside from time actually disappearing, it just feels like the older that I'm getting, I'm not saying that I'm old, but like the older that I get, the faster that time goes by. And being in this remote world, because I'm not normally in a full-time remote world, it's been one year being at home. And it just seems like the days blend together a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. therefore, time just is zooming on by. So that's my thorn. Well, what a great segue, because we got somebody who is a special guest that will be joining us today that has seen some stuff out there and is still experiencing failure even now. And I am very pleased to introduce someone who I'm actually related to because he happens to be not only uh, an executive of over 39 years of professional experience in HR, mergers and acquisitions and you know Fortune 100 companies, but also happens to be my father, Charlie Newman. So let's welcome Charlie Newman to the uh, to the podcast. Hi, Dad. Well, hi. It's it's really great to be here and share the stage with two roses, meaning <laughs> Danny and Alicia. So, well, thank you. Should I call it, you Mr. Newman or should I call you Charlie? Call me Charlie. Dan and okay. I talked talked about that earlier. Perfect. So, but Danny can't call me Charlie. He needs to still stick with Dad. <laughs> I'll stick with dad. Yes, sir. I also love that you call him Danny. Love that. It, it, it depends. Sometimes we will call him Daniel and then he knows he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's very much true. Well, well, dad, we're, we're real glad that you're here joining us. And for all of you who are tuning in live, please feel free to join in the conversation as well. Um, it seems Hannah also believes that Time is definitely going faster. So <laughs> if you have comments or thoughts throughout the episode, feel free to pop in. That's why it's live, right? It's part of the magic. Um, but I figured since you have so much more experience explaining who you are, uh, Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background before, you know, where you are right now? Sure. Well, as uh, Danny indicated, I spent uh, approximately 39 years working at General Electric Company. My background is in human resources and finance. And obviously over 39 years, I had many different assignments, but the last assignment was about 15 years in the mergers and acquisitions space. And I provided the leadership, uh, global leadership uh, for the M&A HR team. And I found that the most rewarding. The one thing I learned 
once we got involved with mergers and acquisitions, we, we called each activity a deal. Uh, we do a deal here, we do a deal there. And I learned that if you've seen one deal, you've only seen one deal in that the essence of what every organization goes through is the same, but the way they go through that process is always different. So I found that really fascinating. I learned quite a bit about it. So let's fast forward a little bit to 2008. And that's when I retired from GE. I did a little consulting in between. And then I joined an organization called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can check it out at score.org. And SCORE is a partner with the Small Business Administration, the SBA. And it is a strictly volunteer organization. In other words, we don't get paid. Oh. And there's, there's about 10,000 volunteers throughout the country uh, represented by over 300 chapters. And I'm the chapter chair, which means the buck stops with me of the Northeast New York score chapter. And just to give you a little background there, because this really gets toward the issue that we're talking about today being failure. In our chapter, we have approximately 40 individuals. And I'm gonna say about 90% of these people are retired. And in some cases, these people retired five, 10, 15 years ago. So they have a wealth of of information, but there's certainly a generational divide between them and the society today, which really gets to the issue that I'll I'll set up in in a moment. So that's a a quick overview of where I've been, who I'm associated with now. I'd go back to Danny and Alicia to see if there's any questions at this point. Wow. Love that. Thank you. So I do have limited, um, or have had limited interaction with SCORE. I actually learned about SCORE from Dan and worked with a mentor a couple sessions to um, help me with my business plan, which still has not been written. So TBD on that. But um, I did find so much value in the few sessions that I had with my with my mentor. But I felt like, you know, if I really want to um, to be serious about it, I have to go do the legwork and then use his time really much more more wisely. So, yes, uh, for clarifications. So what we do is we mentor startup organizations or individuals that have business issues and so forth. And I would say, and our mentoring is is free of charge. There's no cost to the client and everything is confidential. Mm-hmm. I would say that of the clients that we mentor, I would say 60% of them are startup businesses and, and the balance are individuals that have business issues or just contact us for some education relative to how they should set up their finances, their legal structure, et cetera. 
and typically we'll meet with a client and have a discussion and we agree on homework the client goes back they do the homework they come back maybe a couple of weeks later and we go over the homework it's really to move them to the next step mm -hmm. they should think of us as their coach mm -hmm. and obviously the client has to do the heavy lifting we don't do the heavy lifting as as you just indicated yes. so you have to be motivated you have to have the passion and make things happen right so right. Uh, obviously i am not retired neither is alicia and odds are you know plenty of our podcast listeners and, and even live stream viewers may not be retired either so what what drove you to volunteer with this organization in the first place like, what was the motivation well the motivation is is one way to give back to the the community <clears throat> and typically i mean with 39 years service uh, with with ge you, you learn a lot and there's knowledge and wisdom that we can pass on to individuals trying to start a business. And we've had successes. And some of our successes are keeping people out of landmines. And I have stories. I don't know if I want to get into the stories to explain that because I want to make sure we focus on failure. But there are individuals that really shouldn't go into business. And we never tell them they shouldn't go into business. But we ask enough questions that they would come to that realization themselves. And before they spend a lot of money going into business, that's not going to be viable. We think we've made a positive contribution, saving them some money, embarrassment, mm -hmm. and time. A failure. A failure. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you are almost like the the failure. You're you're protecting people from the failures that they could stumble into. In effect, exactly. Mm -hmm. But I still make failures. So so let me go into this <laughs> a little further now that I've 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 set the stage. So I indicated that in score we we have about forty individuals and most of them are retired. And right now we're going through a process of moving from a old information system to a new information system, which is based on the Google platform. And the way we've been operating is people are using, our, our mentors are using their personal email address in communicating to their clients and entering into our our website to put notes and so forth but it's antiquated it's not working too well and so we're trying to move them into this new system which is based upon salesforce but it requires each individual to have a gmail account and some of our mentors have gmail accounts others don't and what we've done is we've assigned, the, the headquarters has assigned every individual a Gmail account. And so what they have to do, what the individual has to do is they have to basically sign into the system using their Gmail account. And my assumption was, I understand Gmail. I have a Gmail account. I can do it. And I would think that most of the individuals in SCORE our chapter uh, could handle that. And our headquarters gave us very nice marketing material, implementation plan, etc. 
But what they're doing is it, they have to satisfy 300 different, different chapters throughout the country. It's like one, communica one communication plan fits all. Well, well, it doesn't. No. But what we had to do is we had to go with that communication, that implementation plan, and communicate that to our mentors. And we have the ability to track how people are progressing, moving from the old system to the new system. And this new system goes into effect in June. So we've been working feverishly to move these people into the new world, if you will. So what we did is we, we tracked the movement of people and I could see we weren't getting any traction or mm -hmm. very little traction of people doing what they have to do. And I'm scratching my head trying to figure out where did we go wrong? Mm -hmm. And part of the issue is after we've done some analysis is finding individuals that one individual had not updated their computer in 10 years. We had a few other individuals that didn't know what a browser is. And as we dug deeper into this issue here, we're finding that the, my assumptions were really invalid. I made an assumption, which wasn't accurate in that people really didn't have the knowledge or the tools and they weren't receiving the information they needed to mm -hmm. in order to make the switch. The other factor is change. People hate change and they're very comfortable where they are. So what we had to do is try to motivate and we continue to motivate volunteers to make this change. And when and, did you discover all these observations and all these conclusions? Well, as we get closer to due date and we get reports and we see that there's a number of people that haven't made the transition yet, we start to panic. When I say we, we have an implementation team within the chapter. And we put our heads together and says, we're not making the progress. We're getting closer to implement implementation day. And if people aren't using their Gmail account, they will not be able to participate in the systems. Mm -hmm. So we, we did some we did some research by contacting some of the individuals that hadn't made the move. We did telephonic uh, uh, through, through a Zoom process and we asked some questions and we listened. And what they, what they told us is they didn't have the tools, they didn't have the knowledge. And that's really forced us to rethink how we're going to communicate, what we're going to communicate, and really take the communication in small bites mm -hmm. because we've determined that they can understand small bites and use that as a process to move them to the next generation. So mm -hmm. we're, go we're going through this process right now and we're making a little headway. We, we tend to have lots of Zoom calls <laughs> some some people have difficulty getting on Zoom and understanding it. Uh, some people don't understand that if they press the wrong button or the right button, their session is being recorded. And that was very interesting because <laughs> since I'm the owner of the Zoom account, 
I get a notice from Zoom telling me that the recording is ready. And then I communicate, <laughs> I communicate to the mentor and they say, well, I didn't order a recording. <laughs> so it, uh, it, so it told me that they really didn't understand it. They were just going through the motions. But also, I also learned something from that process in that I figured I should listen to the recording and see what's happening at the session to see what I could learn. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like being a fly on the wall. Of your own meetings that you were in actually there? <laughs> right. This 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 was a session. I, I wasn't I wasn't in the session. Oh, okay. But there were three score okay. counselors and they were preparing to meet with a client who was going to call in on Zoom. Well the client never showed up. So we had the three counselors uh, on Zoom and one thing led to another and they start talking about the new system. And and so I'm listening to the, the dialogue there and I, I learned volumes as to where their headset was as far as why they weren't participating. <laughs> I'm just imagining three, you know, retired, like th- it's like grumpy old men, right. but on Zoom. Do you know what I'm imagining right now? I, there is a, a video that went viral a couple weeks ago, and it was a hearing. And this man who's a lawyer, he um, he was on Zoom, and his face was turned into a cat. <laughs> He couldn't, and he couldn't figure out how to unchange it. And he said, I am not a cat. Like, we, it was just very funny because obviously he's not a cat, but he wanted to clarify. Yeah. You know, he just didn't know how to work it. And that's fine. We're, we're all learning so much with this, you know, change in technology and being in the pandemic and everyone having no other alternative. We've all had to get smart really quickly in areas that we never even thought we would have to. Mm-hmm. Well, heretofore, the way we would counsel, counsel our clients would be face to face. And so obviously we couldn't go face to face. So overnight, people had to up their game relative to the Zoom technology. Yes, they gave us uh, the chapter free Zoom accounts, but they really didn't know how to operate them. And, and some of our counselors will s- still use just uh, telephonic communication with the client. And if that works for them, that's mm-hmm. okay, but there's, there's a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But in that particular instance, because I wasn't involved, and I think the, the dialogue that I heard between the three counselors, they would share with me if I asked them, but it was like a hot mic, and I was learning <laughs> volumes. <laughs> and and that's, that's really one of the things I learned was how we're going to change our approach in communicating to some of our individuals that are somewhat reticent to move forward. Has this change both in technology as well as the the new um, like the login to the systems? Has this deterred anyone from continuing to be a, a mentor? It will be. I'm I'm expecting some people just to throw up their hands and mm-hmm. and they may be at the at the point in their life where they're retiring from score after maybe 40 years working 
uh, in corporate America or being a, a small business person and then spending another 15, 20 years working for SCORE, they just might throw up their hands and say, I, I've had enough mm -hmm. and so be it. Mm -hmm. So we we haven't experienced that yet because we haven't gone live. But when when we check with other chapters throughout the country that have actually made this switch, there is maybe a, a five to 10 percent loss of individuals because they just really couldn't deal with the new system or didn't want to deal with the new system. That and seems, I, I expect, go ahead. I was going to say that seems pretty synonymous with any type of change management that an organization has to go through is if you shift the way people have to work, especially drastically, and it's not a fit for them anymore, or they don't they don't feel respected or they don't, they aren't able to make the transition or for a million and one reasons. I mean, they bow out, they opt out. And that's, that's one of the costs of turnover. That's one of the costs of switching to the new system. Mm -hmm. Hopefully long-term this system has better outcomes and isn't a net benefit overall, but the short term, there's going to be a cost. Well, let me get back to a conclusion. So I explained the situation uh, I explained the failure as, as I saw it. So how do we correct it? Correct it? What do we do differently? And so what we're doing is we're, we're in the process right now of trying to better understand our audience. We're having these meetings one-on-one -on -one to understand what has to change in order for them to participate. And, and then we'll adjust and uh, communicate. It's, it's all in the communication. So the point I'm trying to make is I explained the situation. We had a failure. What are we going to do about it? You have to do some changes and then implement the change and then measure it. So that's a full circle, hopefully, mm -hmm. of failure and how you're going to fix it. So I have a question for you because obviously you have a lot of experience in the business world and – and your condition to come up with solutions for challenges. So in this recent failure that you've experienced, how has it made you feel? Well, the fact that we didn't get the, the traction, I felt frustrated. I guess that's certainly uh, one, one feeling that resulted from it. Uh, at times, a little angry with some people that aren't, willing to make the effort to to join the team the way they should. So those those are a couple of the, the feelings that come out of it. But I also say, what can I learn? What can I remember to do next time? And so so from that standpoint, there's this knowledge learned, even at my ripe old age of being Dan's dad. And <laughs> I learned from it. So when you learn, you you you, you get a good feeling, at least I do. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the emotions that come out of that uh, result. Mm -hmm. So looking back on, on your career, you know, obviously the technological demands today are very different from 20 years ago, but still people had to shift systems. They had to find new ways of working. Um, you know, what differentiated this, this change from changes in the past? Why is this one more challenging or, or caught you unawares? Well, there, I think there's a, there's a generational divide 
between this change this change and when i was working at, at ge and prior to that you know that your generation has grown up with this technology which i didn't have and every so often i have problems i call up danny or one of his siblings and i say help <laughs> but that's and to me that's a generational divide i can guarantee you 20, 30 years from now, you'll be looking at a different generation and there's going to be a different challenge. And uh, I always thought about this as to how can I retain what I've learned? And I've retained what I've learned a lot over the years, but the environment's different and I'm not sure I know how to operate in the new environment. And you'll experience that going forward because change is, is going to be constant and there's going mm -hmm. to be a whole new concept 20 years from now. And you'll, I think you'll have the same experience that I've had. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, I did a lot of um, research about generational differences when I was in graduate school, because at the time I was curious to understand if, you know, being um, a early career professional in the workplace, if the challenges that I was having between some of the people that I was working with were me, if it was the work, if it was this just misalignment with communication and style and understanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, what I found, um, first of all, not to focus on the differences, um, but more about the similarities and how we can build, uh, and work together, but also that the chain, every, every generation is different um, than obviously the, the last generation. There's a change in perspectives, but the the difference nowadays is that the the change the let's say the gap in between generations is much more vast because of technology. Technology is almost um, a, an accelerator to change, and so that has created even more of a difference. Like so, for example you know, think about phones in the home between like, I don't know, like the 1950s or 60s to like the 80s, there were changes. We saw, you know, differences, the the one phone in the house and then with the long cord and then, you mm -hmm. know, then it went down to everyone had a phone in their room that was cordless. And then now we have cell phones and every year we see new technology, a new generation of cell phones. And so the, the technology has also increased the change and, and people are just not I, maybe as motivated to keep up with it because we're constantly having to evolve and adapt what we already know and change is hard. So. No, no it's, it's, it's a good observation and, mm -hmm. and you're right. Change is hard. Uh, I do think that technology, we rely I think more so today on technology than we did years ago. And I think that's one of the major differences between, let's say, my generation and your generation and the generations to come. And time will tell. But I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think your observations are right on. We'll, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's up to us to bridge that gap and be able to lean on one another for, um, 
for, you know, experience in the fields that we're in now and also leverage maybe the, the, the things that maybe the younger generations take advantage of is how quickly we understand technology and how troubleshooting might be. Um, even if we don't have the answer troubleshooting mm-hmm. for us is, is just kind of like a, a known thing. And, and I think some people are more hesitant to do that. So how can we lean on each other, especially in the workplace, um, to make sure that we're all supporting one another to get smart in the areas where we're not as, you know, as skilled or as seasoned. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of comments coming in on Facebook that are kind of commiserating with the, the pace of change and, and how technology is accelerating it. And I think something that is important, you know, from this conversation is that while we could try to anticipate and pre-learn the, the failures that we're about to stumble into, there still needs to be um, a way of, of dealing with the missteps and the mistakes and catching people up and providing those feedback loops. So even if everyone's not running at the same pace, we still end up at the same destination. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I think some of the tools that you use, they're different, but at the end result, you you want to come out with a positive, uh, positive result. And let me give you an example. There's, we talk about uh, communicating with the telephone. Alicia, that you brought up. And the telephone, I remember the telephone was a, a party line. I picked up the phone and there was someone else on, on the line. It was the party that we were sharing the line with. I've heard and of this. You've heard of this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm showing you my, my age and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but, but the essence of what you've done is you communicate. And communication, I think, as a concept, it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. The tools that you use to make that communication, that changes and that's the technology. Mm-hmm. And getting back to what, what Danny brought up is the fact that, and, and you also, is that we talk about leaning on each other. I think one of the principles that I've always followed <clears throat> over the years is I don't know it all. And there are people smarter than me in certain areas. And this whole concept of sharing and teamwork and so forth, I think is, is really valuable. And that's something that we had 40 years ago and we have today. If you don't have teamwork, if you're not working together, not leaning and learning from, from one another, it, it's going to be a, a tough road in order to have success. Mm-hmm. So there, there are principles of communication. There's a principle of listening. There's a, a principle of surrounding yourself with people that are as smart as you or smarter than you and learning from them and being open enough to realize that you don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. So I, I got off Which on that. Which is why you're here, no, right? I love you're, that. You're smarter than us. You know, you, you <laughs> have some good answers. It's called, I like to call it wisdom. <laughs> uh, if, if, we, if we need to put, put a title to it. <laughs> but I, I, again, part of the failure that I had with some of these individuals was in the communication mm-hmm. and making an assumption which was not valid. And so now I have to correct that. 
but it gets back to, I think, a, a principle of communication. I remember when we when we rolled out programs at GE, the the the, the word was communicate, 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 and then communicate. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make sure that you have the the right message that you're communicating. Yeah, the, I think yes, the right message and the right outlet or outlets too is so important. I love what you said about the these different pieces, the communication and listening that might be separate. I don't know if it's the same. Um, and then this, this sense of community, that's a common theme that we have heard from probably every single person that we've talked mm-hmm. to on the podcast about how to get through a failure, how to learn from a setback is to have um, a community of people and surround yourself with a network of people who are going to help you, you know, have the patience and the knowledge and the expertise to help you get through whatever that failure is or just the support. And then the last piece that you mentioned was just to be open. And obviously our podcast is called the 2020 perspective. So having that additional outside perspective and, and being open to, you know, not necessarily agreeing with everything that's outside of your realm, but just acknowledging that there are other ways of seeing and doing things Mm -hmm. than what you, what you see is in front of you. And just being open to that is the first step to overcoming a failure. Yes. And also some people may be able to be self perspective in their, their personality and how open they are to listen and learn. And in, in many cases, I've run into the fact that people have egos and mm-hmm. egos can get in the way and I've seen them get in the way. So when you get into the interpersonal relationships that you deal with over, over time, you have to be listening and seeing if you can pick out the egos that you're dealing with, because that could be success or failure based upon how you're interacting with an individual. Mm-hmm. So there, there are many things that are roadblocks in, in the learning and sharing and, and relying on one another. And I find poor listeners, uh, people with egos, there's just a couple of things right off the rip that I think are difficult and, and cause problems in relation to progress. Mm-hmm. I also, I also really one of my hot buttons uh, when we talk about technology, uh, dealing with uh, Zoom and so forth, is is when more than one peop- one person is talking at the same time, I lose it. And and also the dog barking in the background, <laughs> or the telephone ringing and so forth. Uh, I, I call it I call it uh, technology etiquette. And what surprises me is is people some people just don't get it. So when two people are talking at the same time, nobody's listening. How did you learn that technology etiquette? And how can others who haven't learned it learn it? <laughs> just uh, observations. I'd sit in a meeting and, and I might hear two people talking at the same time, just sitting back and listening and realizing that 
not only am I not getting the message, but other people around the table or other people on the Zoom call aren't, aren't getting it. And you can see people are distracted when there's noise in the background and they're trying to make a point and, and there's a disruptive in the, in the background. So observations, putting logic together, and quite often I'll just sit back and just listen. I learn more by listening than talking. And one of the, obviously at times I have to talk, like I have to talk now, <laughs> but if, if people continue to be blind to what's happening around them as it relates to communication, then it's, it's not, it's not going to be a successful communication piece. Mm -hmm. So, so listening is, I think is very critical. And that's how I learned it. I sat back and I listened and I learned more listening than I did talking. Skills of a great coach listening <laughs> you pick out those those words those key words and then you kind of follow that that trail and that's what i mean really gets down to the root of anything what the problem is what people care about just you know the key to understanding this there's another also learning piece and that is it's body dynamics and when we had mm -hmm when we had face-to-face -face interactions with clients, I could, I could tell by the body dynamics if they were listening, if they were giving me a line that really wasn't um, appropriate. When an individual comes in for mentoring and they don't have anything to write on and they don't have anything to write with, they're sending you a message. So, all of these observations, that's a kind of active listening. It's active observations. And I think that's another tool that I've used over the years. When I determine somebody's not listening, I tend to shut down because we're not going to make any progress. Mm -hmm. And other people may shut down. So body dynamics, when you're in face-to-face, -face, when, when COVID is over and you go back to face-to-face, -face, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I think there's something, so these are life lessons for sure, but what I'm also drawing underneath this is that you had the opportunity over many years to be in a lot of different situations, observe lots of things, see how it worked out, be in meetings, virtual meetings, phone-only meetings, conversations, working with people, and all those, all these observations, all these life lessons you have right now they might not have been there if you weren't open and willing to kind of reflect on this and understand that this was a lesson worth learning and probably also experimenting and shutting up at a meeting and realizing, wow, there's better answers out here. You're learning more. So how do you think you, you develop that type of kind of, I don't want to call it like downloading, but like embedding these lessons into your, your normal operations so that now where you are, you know, in your in your life and your career you can share the lessons that you picked up and you you embedded well you need a curriculum <laughs> <laughs> you can put a, a curriculum together to talk about all those words of wisdom that i've shared with you today i don't know how you'd classify them but i think people should be made aware of 
some of the things I've talked about. And I know there are courses about active listening. I don't know if there's one on body dynamics. I'm sure there is. But I, I think it, to answer your question, hopefully, if you package that in some kind of a curriculum, I think uh, every person going into into business ought to at least listen to and, and take that course. And maybe they'll learn that when two people are talking at a meeting, they should be quiet <laughs> or or make sure that the, the dog is not barking and the, the phones aren't ringing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I sent my phone into the other room and I gave instructions to Danny, your mother, <laughs> that if, if our dog starts to bark, deal with it. <laughs> Look at that delegation in action. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have a problem. Sometimes my dog barks. I live by myself and I have a one room apartment. There's nowhere for, for him to go. So, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Charlie happens. But, but you get my, you, you get my message though. Yes. I mean, I think yes. that's the key that you're aware. I want to make you aware of that dog barking would be distractive to everybody on this. That's going to hear this um, podcast. Okay. So you get the message and, that, and that's the message. Right. I'll send them away so, when I do the podcast. So I, I want to uh, kind of get to some rapid fire questions and start, yes. start winding up. Um, so you said you had a bunch of stories. I wonder of, of a score of, you know, the score world. Do you have any uh, tales that tales from the score world that you'd wanted to share? Well, with, with the, what the score world, yeah, the, either the failures that you've helped prevent or the failures that you watched unfold. Oh, okay, you got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were going to ask me about you. Oh, I mean. I have a question about Dan. I'm going to just toss that over to Alicia. What, what was Dan like as a child? What was he like as a kid? Well, <laughs> Danny was, uh, basically, you have to understand our family structure. Uh, Danny has two siblings, and the youngest is 17 years older than Danny. So Danny, in effect, grew up as, as an only child, but he really mm -hmm. wasn't an only child because his brother and sister were off at school. So that's the setting. So, so Danny tended to uh, outreach to a lot of friends. He always had friends. And he was uh, creative and provocative at times. And, and the story I, I relate is when he was a senior in high school and it was close to graduation time, mm -hmm. Danny took it upon himself to write an op-ed in the local newspaper, but he didn't tell me, didn't tell his mother. <laughs> and the op-ed was provocative, shall we say. And then we went to a, a picnic and his mom and I were accosted by some parents who were upset about his op-ed that I didn't know anything about. So that was the failure. Uh, I didn't know about it. So how did I fix it? I just couldn't wait for him to graduate high school. And I checked the op-eds <laughs> every day after that until he graduated. So I wouldn't be surprised about what what we might see in the newspaper. There are other stories we won't oh get gosh. into, but I that's a classic. That is so good. I want to I want to be able to read this, or I want to know more. Can we share any more? 
about his write-up or is it not appropriate for the podcast? I'm going to let Danny tell you that offline. Okay. Yeah, let's <laughs> just say it was, a, it was an event that happened and words were said and had something to do with school rankings. And I was really on the side of, of the students, but let's not get into, let's not get into the details of that. It, it, that. it impacted the, uh, it impacted the uh, Vella Victorian where they had to check her written speech before she delivered it as a result of the op-ed. I didn't know about that one, but fun fact. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to know that Dan is, is, has always been a disruptor, you know? I'll just leave it at that. I'll go with that. A thought disruptor. Also, I mean, by being a disruptor, also creative too. I mean, he's created a lot of good things and he had very good uh, responses from people that he worked with, employers, when he worked at a camp, they wanted to hire him. He's done some great things with um, um, the organization, the America. Danny, you'll have to help me on that one. It wasn't, um, you volunteered for that at, at Brandeis. I can't remember. At Brandeis? Yeah. Well, anyway, so so he, he was very... Uh, he he was in tuned with the people that he worked with, mm-hmm. and and also he he thinks out of the box, and he performs out of the box, mm-hmm. and that's Danny. Yep. Well, yep. I'm gonna put that on the website, Dad. That's great testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good testimonial. So wait, what um what field of work did you envision Danny to go into when he was a kid or when he was in high school? president of the United States, but we had to change that. (laughs) Danny Danny was into music and um, uh, he worked well at it. And uh, at one point in time, uh, I I thought that's where he might be be heading uh, into the music field. Mm -hmm. But I really want, I didn't have a slot in life for Danny as far as a job goes or a career and so forth. <clears throat> Want it to be rewarding and successful and he's going to have to choose it. Mm-hmm. I might push him in one direction. His mother will push him in a different direction. But at his age and, and what he's done today, just um, we get out of his way and let him grow mm-hmm. and be successful. Mm-hmm. You did a good job. Oh, I didn't expect this to turn into like make Dan blush fest. <laughs> okay, I have one last question. Um, oh, well, I will make this not about you, Dan. Okay. 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 Um, so, Charlie, what was your most pivotal or life changing failure? Interesting. Well, I would, I would say that's a great question. I'm going to go back to my GE days because I joined GE in the finance community. And I spent maybe 10 years in, the, in finance, not really 
crazy about it. And at about the time, it was 1980, at about that time, one of the issues in this country, in corporate America and so forth, dealt with healthcare and healthcare costs. And at that point in time, that's when I switched or pivoted, as you said, uh, out of finance into HR. And so for a number of years, I was providing leadership in, in the HR community relative to healthcare. And I actually was the, provided leadership in the benefit area. And inside GE was well recognized for being on the cutting edge. And really, it was like the tail wagging the dog, pushing mm-hmm. the corporation to move. And it's a big corporation and uh, move in that direction. So to me, that was, I think, the major changing point in my career. And when I switched out of finance into HR, because one of the advantages, not too many HR people had finance backgrounds. I had both. So to a certain degree, I became more valuable to the organization because I could sit on both sides of the aisle and understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And eventually that led in healthcare, led into the benefits, led into mergers and acquisitions. So that's how I grew into M&A. Does that get to your question? That that's a good one. What what about a failure? Did you have a pivotal failure oh. that that changed you know changed your life either positively or negatively? That's a good one. There's there's nothing outstanding that comes to mind. You have you have failures along the way, but nothing major, no, nothing pivotal, uh, as you say that I can relate to you right now. Just Well, don't- I remember a story and you could tell me if I'm, if you would consider this a failure or not. I remember a story about how there was a picket line at a GE plant and you jumped the fence to skip the picket line. Cause That's- you were, were, were you a, were you a scab or were you going into work or, or why, why weren't you picketing with the people? I was a scab (laughs) and that's an actual story. So I joined GE in 1969 in Providence, Rhode Island, where we, where I grew up. And uh, shortly thereafter, there was a major strike and I was, I was a new kid on the block and I was designated to be the strike breaker. So uh, I was assigned the responsibility to enter our manufacturing facility through a front gate that had a chain, uh, spike chain fences on both sides of the entrance. And at that time, the picket line was made up of women with very heavy pocketbooks. And uh, I attempted to enter the main entrance But when I saw what was in front of me, I said, no way, I'm not going through that line. And so I walked down the street a little bit and hopped the fence, tore my pants in the process. That was a failure. (laughs) That's just a story I wanted to rehear. I love that. So it did happen. 
So what did you learn from that experience? Don't approach women with pocketbooks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think maybe I, I, uh, learning there might, might be giving more thought as to how I could deal with that issue. The issue was women wa- walking with pocketbooks and I needed to get through and I, I really needed to think through how I could do that other than climbing the fence. So to try and answer your question, and I'll give you another example of that same strike, which actually worked. Uh, And that is when we were still on strike and I was actually working inside the manufacturing facility, I had to renew my driver's license and I had to leave the plant and there was strikers walking in front of the gate there. And I figured, how am I going to deal with this problem? And I couldn't get my car out. So my wife at the time was very pregnant with our daughter. And so I called her and she drove up to the gate there and they wouldn't let her in. She rolled down her window and she said, I'm pregnant and I'm having contractions and I need to get my husband out of the facility. (laughs) So they parted ways. I came out, got in the car, went to the motor vehicles, registered my car, a license of what, and then came back (laughs) and they parted ways. And uh, my wife left and said, well, it was a false alarm. So so that's a true story. And so I I could see the potential failure and figuring out a way to circumvent that. Yeah. That's what we did. Well, Debbie, before she was even born, was sneaking out and sneaking in. (laughs) We we won't go into Debbie's. Debbie will have her own podcast and we can talk about it. Yes, we'll get her on there. Love that. Well, um, uh, Alicia, do you have any other uh, questions for my no. father while we have him here? No, I enjoyed hearing your stories and getting some insight into my good friend here. So thank you for joining us today and and sharing some wisdom with us. Well, glad to help. Hopefully it, it moves the program forward in, in any way it can. And we can do a redo if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we might have you come on again to talk about how that email transition actually went. Maybe we'll get the uh, the talk back of the actual rollout. Mm-hmm. Well, at the, I'd be willing to do that. <laughs> Thanks to No BS Brass Band for the banging show music. Check them out at nobsbrass.com. And if you want to join any of our live shows, follow us on Facebook at the 2020 Perspective. That's 20 slash 20 Perspective. As always, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you can get the latest failures delivered right to your ears. And may your failures be spectacular.